Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is the Gospel reading from John 20. Maybe may be seated. In the name of Jesus, I believe in the resurrection of the body. Well, what does the resurrection of the body have to do with you and me here at GLC in 2023? Everything. 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 The resurrection of the body is the center and the core of our faith, our love, our hope, our life together in this place called grace. Sadly, there are so many who ignore the resurrection of the body within Christianity, and this ought not be. Pastor Aaron, what? W-H-A-T, what? I am not joking around here. When it comes to the teaching on life after death, there is a lot of confusion, oodles and oodles of confusion within the American Christian church, especially. So uh, this evening... Let's unpack, shall we, four popular expressions concerning life after death that completely disregard, dismiss the resurrection of the body. Sweep it under the rug. Not a blip on the radar. It's MIA. The resurrection, M-I-A. What? W-H-A-T. What? That's the acronym we're going to use this evening to... Uh, to talk about these four popular expressions concerning life after death that's in the drinking water of the American Christian Church. What? 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 W. W. I mean, I can spell what. You can too, right? So we're going to begin with W, okay? Winning souls. Winning souls. So much of evangelism within the Christian Church is focused on getting souls to heaven. To heaven. Heaven being the end all, be all. Heaven, the finish line. Heaven, the final home. Heaven, the ultimate destination. And that's because of H, heaven, okay? <laughs> Jesus died to get us to heaven. That is the popular teaching of the gospel within the Christian church. That is like the aim of our salvation, souls in heaven. And once we get there, we're, you know, we're, we're spirits, not just any spirits, of course, but, you know, the special kind of spirits, a angels, angels, angels. So thankful that Granny is now an angel. Maybe you have heard something like that before. And maybe we have said those kinds of things before also. It's pretty popular teaching within American Christianity, American Christianity to think that when we die, we become angels. But that disregards the body. 
The body is poo-pooed. The body means absolutely nothing within that sort of framework of theology. T. This body. This body right here of my loved one, it's not really him. Just a shell. Now that my loved one is dead, his soul is out of that prison cell known as the body. What? What? That's our response, right? What? That's because neglecting the resurrection of the body leads to neglecting the needs of humanity. What, W-H-A-T, what, summarizes the popular teachings that are here in America concerning life after death, and those teachings will really just reduce Christianity to, to a flight from creation. It's escapism. It's a flight from creation. To adopt this sort of what teaching is to just think, well, the world is... It's, going to hell in a handbasket. It's bad. It's evil. It's not, it's not good at all. It's Sodom and Gomorrah. <coughs> Conflict. Chaos. Calamity. It's all around us, folks. And this flesh, this flesh is what's holding us back. This flesh is what's trapping us, keeping us here yeah, this physical body is what's keeping us in this physical world. So then death becomes the ultimate plan of escape. We die, and the soul leaves the bad, this body, and this world, and goes to the good, the spiritual. No B-O-D-Y body. No brick and mortar. No physical matter whatsoever. Do you see the problem with this kind of teaching? Do you? You look around. You take in all that your eyes see. With this kind of teaching, what does it all mean? Nothing. Nothing. Matter doesn't actually matter. It's all going to be abolished, destroyed, annihilated, poof, up in smoke. All that matters is that we become spiritual beings in a spiritual place, a.k.a. heaven, forever. Flying around the clouds, enjoying our wings, strumming our hearts, Checking out each other's halos. What? <laughs> Since all that we see is going bye-bye according to these kinds of teachings on heaven, it's so easy for us to fall into a selfishness. It's so easy for us to separate ourselves from the suffering and the sickness and the sorrow around us. It's so easy for us to sit on our bums and just wait to fly up, 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 
out of the earthly into the heavenly. What? Now let me be clear. This pastor is not denying heaven. You're probably like, man, pastor's really preaching against heaven here. I'm not preaching against heaven, okay? Just the notion that heaven is forever. Heaven is not forever. Heaven is temporary. So our loved ones who die in the faith, who stake their eternal destiny on J.C., Jesus the Christ, in his blood and righteousness, they are in heaven, and they're waiting. They're waiting. Just like we are waiting for something better. See, the hope of Christianity isn't souls soaring in the skies. So what is the hope of Christianity then? It's this, simply this. Because Jesus Christ is raised bodily, the hope of Christianity is the resurrection of the body and the restoration. The restoration of all that we see. Do you remember what God says on the sixth day of creation? You know, he makes the garden home for Papa Adam on the eve, and all the lions and tigers and bears are made. It's like the big ribbon-cutting ceremony for them to enjoy this garden home. Do you remember what, what God says? Genesis 1-2, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Now, God never said, oh, I changed my mind. This creation, it, yeah, it was very good, but now, you know, I changed my mind. It's very, very bad. Our God will never say that. He is the creator who made this world and is still very good to him. He loves this world. I mean, you know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He loves this world. He didn't even raise the white flag. He didn't even, you know, just throw in the towel when that satanic serpent slithered to our first parents, Papa Adam and Mama Eve, and hissed into their ears, lies, lies, nothing but lies, and they sinned. They committed high treason. They et to brutate our God, stabbing him in, in the back, welcoming death into creation, opening the door wide. For death to stroll right on in. Even then, God didn't say, Oi, babe. I, it's just, this is above my pay grade. I can't handle this. So messy. I can't, I can't fix any of this. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to have to control, alt, delete this. I'm just going to have to you know, toss it in the can. The trash. Start over. Destroy it all. Start from fresh. It's time for a regenesis. Oh, there would be a regenesis, wouldn't there? Just not out of nothing. The Creator would bring forth a new creation out of the old, out of the broken, busted, buried. I mean, the Creator was pretty clear to that slithery serpent Satan in the garden that he would make everything that is wrong in this world right. Division. 
depression, darkness, disease, despair, death. You remember what the Creator said to you that so the serpent Satan? Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Death would not hold sway every single day. For the Creator said and promised that He would have the final say. That, that, that death sentence spoken over Adam and all of his children, you know, the Adam's family. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. Won't last. Won't last. Can't last. Graves, the grave's grip would be shattered, broken, destroyed. And it would all happen in a, in a G-A-R-D-E-N, a garden, a garden. That's what we hear in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 20. It's actually good theology that Mary Magdalene thinks that Jesus is a mechanic, a pizza delivery boy, a gardener. That's good theology, that she thinks that Jesus is a gardener. For his resurrection launches the new creation project where he is going to make everything how it ought to be. For good. Forever. A.J., the Apostle John, the evangelist, he's the only evangelist that actually gives us that bit about Jesus' tomb in a garden. Not once, but twice at the end of John chapter 19. And he also tells us this time reference. In John chapter 20, verse 1. It's huge. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Easter morning isn't the first, isn't just the first day of the week. It's the first day of a new creation. Now no one expected this. It came out of left field. No one actually was ready for a freshly resurrected Jesus. Oh, sure, you know, we know that Jesus predicted his Easter morning, you know, not once, not twice, but three times. But it's like it went in one year and out the other, because no one survives crucifixion. Crucifixion is a dead end. No one, no one, no one makes it past that. I mean, it's just 100% death rate, crucifixion, dehumanizing, Defeating, damning, dead end. It's not like the uh, eyewitnesses who, who saw Jesus crucified, dead, buried, uh, say to one another, Well, I think it's time for us to set our timers with our, you know, on our uh, Apple watches for three days. Because, you know, Jesus, we're, we're going to see him in three days, right? He, he said that. In the meantime, let's go to Costco and, you know, Meyer. And Sam's clubbing it. Get all the groceries, all the fixings that we need to throw a big, huge Sunday, Easter Sunday, dinden. No one was thinking that. They all thought that Jesus was a goner. That's what Mary Magdalene thinks as she goes to the tomb on Easter morning. She believes that Jesus really is a goner. 
that she is going to meet death. And death is going to humiliate her. Death is going to make fun of her. Death is going to ridicule her. After all, death has been, you know, chalking up one win after another. No one able to stop death's victory march. So Jesus, just another W for death. That's what Mary Magdalene is thinking as she peeks her head in the tomb that first Easter, verses 11 through 13 of the gospel reading. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Now she shares with the angels, of course, that she, she doesn't know where they they took her Lord's limp, lifeless body. And then she turns around, and there's Jesus, alive and well. She has no clue that it's him, though, not yet. Verses 15 and 16. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. No more weeping. Jesus actually lives. He is alive and well. Here is the good shepherd. The good shepherd who finds his little lambies, and he calls them by name, Mary. This could quite possibly be the most beautiful, shortest sermon in all the Holy Writ. One word, Mary. You will never get that from me, okay? <laughs> Mary, Mary. And, and our good shepherd is up to it still today, calling us by name. Ernie, Micah, Rob, Connie, Ruth. Leroy, Aaron, he calls us by name. Here is the good shepherd who lays down his life into the very jaws of death for you, for me, for everybody. And he takes up his life again. Death's teeth knocked out. Death's icy cold grip on humanity broken, shattered. Death's dominion and power over this world, wrecked, ruined. Death, defeated, demoralized, damned, dead end. Death has no sway or say where sin has been dealt with, and sin has been dealt with. You know the word of Jesus from the cross in the Gospel of John. It is finished. It's finished. This shepherd is also the Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God who, who, who takes, takes, takes away, away, away the, the, the sin, sin, sin of, of, of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Mary Magdalene here on this first Easter morning is all concerned about a boulder, a body taken away. 
when what has really been taken away? Sin. Hers, your sin, mine. The world's sin. All that separated us from the Creator. All that got us the boot from our paradise pad, our garden home. All that gave us that eternal death, death sentence. All of that. Gone. It's not Jesus who is the goner. It's our sin. Yours and mine. Removed from us as far as the east is from the west. Now it is so good that Mary Magdalene calls Jesus the gardener. She says more than she actually realizes he is the gardener. After all, he is the gardener who comes to take back that which the first gardener, Adam, lost. In the garden, this world plunged into death and the grave, but at another garden, outside of Jerusalem, a new world brought out of death and the grave. Behold the new creation, the new creation that is smack dab in the midst of the old, with all of the fighting and the feuding, in the fretting, in the failing, in the funerals, all of that on its way out, dear friends, but the new creation here to stay. The new creation actually advancing in this world day after day after day. From that first Easter morning to our own Easter morning on the last day, Jesus is in business. He's in the new creation business. He's all about this new creation project to make all that is broken in this world whole, all that is wounded in this world, healed, all that is wrong in this world, right. And he doesn't do it by himself. He is not a lone ranger God when it comes to this new creation project. He, he gathers us and he, he puts us right next to him. In the waters of holy baptism, dear friends, he made you, he made me agents of his new creation, who now hope for and live into the resurrection of the body where we will celebrate the restoration of all of creation. Even now through us, even now through us, dear friends, there are glimpses of this new creation, a sneak peek of the glory to come. Where there is suffering, and sickness, and sorrow, we comfort and console. Where there's fighting, feuding, division, we seek, we seek peace as best as we possibly can. We strive to live at peace with everyone. Where there's loneliness, we're warm, welcoming, hospitable. We open our homes to the lonely. We befriend. Where there is failure, someone blew it, biffed it. We pray. We intercede for that person. We don't, we don't criticize that person. That person doesn't need our criticism. That person needs 
needs our prayers. Where there are limitations and weaknesses, we come alongside those folks and we help them. We do what we can to make life easier for them. We burden bear. We encourage. And as this goes on, dear friends, we actually begin to breathe the air of the new creation. The very air that will fill our resurrected lungs forever. And the people around us are catching a whiff of it. We reek of the resurrection. We do. We reek of the resurrection. And so let's keep being smelly with this resurrection. It's actually a sweet smell. Let's keep at it. Let's keep being with our Easter morning Jesus and being about this new creation project here at GLC, righting wrongs that we see until that day our Lord raises us bodily and this world is perfect forever. Forever. That's the hope of the resurrection. The hope of the Christian, dear friends. That is the hope of the Christian faith. I know that my Redeemer lives, and in my flesh I shall see God. In my flesh. In my flesh. Say it with me. In my flesh. In my flesh, indeed. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.